Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about the new live-action Aladdin, and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Joe Morgan, who I normally call our animation correspondent, but Joe, this is not an animated movie, though there might be a lot of special effects involved. So, Joe, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. So, yeah, Joe, like, you know, back on my old podcast, we talked over two years ago, time flies, dude, about uh, yeah. the Beauty and the Beast live-action remake, and 2018 didn't have any of these Disney live-action movies, and then now all of a sudden, like, 2019 just has, like, all of them. We had, yeah. we had Dumbo a couple months ago, and then still have Lion King to come this year, and Disney's just having a big year outside of all that, but... We're here to talk today about Aladdin. So, you know, I guess at the time that we talked about Beauty and the Beast back then, you know, they'd had these Alice in Wonderland movies and they'd had um, uh, Cinderella, but that was mostly it, the first Maleficent, if you want to throw that in there. So it was was a a much different landscape for these movies now, and now it seems like Disney's kind of gone all in on them. How have you kind of enjoyed uh, what they've done so far in this department and what do you think about this strategy where now they're all out at once? Like, how are you, just how are you feeling as someone that cares about Disney and, uh, and animated movies that this is kind of the route that these live action things have gone right now? Uh, it's been very interesting. You know, I feel like the results have been kind of up and down on this thing. You know, there's been a lot of refreshing, uh, interesting kind of things to come out of, of these remakes, you know, and then there's been a lot of, you know, disappoint- <laughs> disappointments as well. You know, I wouldn't call it like, an overall like home run for them. I mean, maybe financially, but you know, I mean, it's just been up and down and um, eager to talk about that a little bit more. So yeah, I guess I forgot to mention they also was the um, goodbye. Christopher Robin came out last year, which kind of falls under that, which, you know, ironically, I think that and Dumbo have been two of the ones I probably enjoyed more that weren't like as big of like, financial disappointments for them and uh the i think the critics like goodbye christopher robin more than they did um dumbo uh but yeah you know i'm i i guess i mean i've seen all these movies when i was younger i don't know if i have as deep of a relationship with them as uh you did though i would say aladdin is one that i was a bigger fan of and probably watched more recently than a lot of these other animated movies and really appreciated it the last time I had revisited it. I just thought maybe it was uh, a little wittier and had some more f- fun things that could get an adult version of myself to laugh. And I, I just remember greatly appreciating that, though I, I was kind of curious when I saw they were going to make like a, a – Guy, Guy Ritchie was making one. And, I mean, not that I was surprising, you know, they are – because they are doing all these live-action things. But uh, what is your relationship with the 1992 Aladdin? And, you know, when you're going into – a uh, a live action version of this what are you thinking the best case scenario it is what are you hoping to get out of it that you can't get by the uh 1992 movie that apparently you have on in your living room as we speak well i guess like the disney animation renaissance if you will so basically everything from the little mermaid through mulan as you know or i guess you can lump tarzan in there as well even though i'm not okay <laughs> a huge fan of tarzan but uh, that whole era of Disney films is, you know, is what I grew up with. And it's something that I really appreciate, especially you have, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and The Lion King, which is probably Disney's greatest run of four straight animated movies right. since probably the beginning with uh, Snow White, Bambi, Dumbo, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, to see it remade so soon is kind of interesting, you know, not even 30 years later. Um, so I guess when I go into these, what I'm hoping to get out of it is like a big nostalgic kick and then, um, music's a huge part of these movies as well. So it's yeah. just like, I want to pull those off remixes. and see them on the big screen again. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's something I definitely go into it, um, expecting and hoping for. And then, 
uh, please just don't suck is like, is my other thing. Right. So, you know, and uh, I, I, w- I would say that I similarly, I would say they are as far as like just the artisticness of the mall, they're probably unnecessary, but if we're going to have them and it seems like we're going to have all of them at this point, then, you know, mm-hmm. just, just the idea of seeing them on live action, like, you you want to get you you want to feel like you saw like a worthwhile portrayal of these characters when you have like real people portraying them and you hope that those performances are good, but also you want some like visual flourishes that live action provides. Even if in some ways animation is provides even more countless possibilities than live action. Like hey, maybe there's something that'll just be visually stimulating in a live action movie. That's um, something that you can't achieve with animation. I'm sure there's examples of things like that. So you know you want the visual stuff. You want the you want to see interesting performances that. Uh, bring these characters that you have these long relationships with going back to childhood to life. But, you know, I also see mm-hmm. it as an, an opportunity to like take some artistic license. Like you want, you're obviously going to keep the heart of these stories and keep them the same, but you want to like actually find some room to play with these plot points or uh, these characters and hit different beats that feel a little interesting. And maybe even in some ways improve upon the original movies. And I actually thought that I liked some of what Aladdin did in that regard and, uh, where they took some opportunities, but there are other areas where I didn't. So I think I ultimately just kind of came down as, you know, it was fine. So you said mm-hmm. that you, you want the movies to just not suck. So did Aladdin, <laughs> did, did Aladdin at least achieve that for you? Yeah, I thought Aladdin was fine. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I have friends who hated it, like hate, wow, hated really? it. Yeah. And I had people I talked to who absolutely loved it. You know, I've kind of gotten reactions on both sides of the scale. I mean, it's felt I mean, at least in my small circle personal experience, it's it seemed pretty polarizing to people. But I mean, I just thought it was fine. You know, I mean, I thought it was fun. Probably not going to actively seek it out necessarily. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, mean, <laughs> I guess what, what, what was the, what was the biggest thing it did right for you? Um, I like that. Uh, so I guess one one major qualm you could have with the original Aladdin it what is a movie that was made mostly by and starring white people which um, I felt like this movie did a bit of a job of being representative of low bar, but I think they definitely did a, yeah, like there's, there's there's really no, there's really no recognizable white faces besides Billy Magnuson's. So, right. Yes. And Agrabah is kind of like not, I mean, it's fictional, you know, so I mean, (laughs) you're going to have to, you know, I mean, there's, you know, people don't go to Aladdin for an accurate representation, but at least you don't have like, you know, DJ's boyfriend from Full House playing Aladdin, you know. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's that, and then also um, one thing I will say: these uh, live-action retellings have done a good job of is not making their female characters so disposable, which I feel are out of you know out of control of their own destiny, which you know is a bit of a problematic thing. And Beauty and the Beast and uh, Aladdin and The Little Mermaid were. Ariel doesn't really do anything in the third act, you know? So, um, yeah, these live action retellings have definitely given the female characters more to do, which I think, um, is a great way to sort of update it as well. It's so. funny. I'm trying to think the last time you were on the podcast, what was it when we talked about award season? Uh, we, like, we think we did, you came on yeah. for like the Oscars. So I think the last real movie we talked about before then, Oh no, we did Lego movie. Okay. Before that it was, yeah. it was I think it was, I think it was Wreck-It Ralph. 
which, you know, had the whole princess sequence where it, like, kind of poked right. fun at just, like, the nature of all these Disney princesses and how they're uh, reduced to these just characters that got to find a man, which is a very fair critique for them to make of, like, Disney movies. And, like, that's a very big plot point in Aladdin, obviously, is just – so you can't not have it about uh, – just totally do away with Jasmine looking for a husband because the whole thing is that she wants to be with Aladdin who she can't really be with because he's not a prince. So you can't do away right. with that. But I thought it was actually, like – one thing that like they did a really impressive job of was just giving her some more like agency in a storyline that wasn't just I want to find a man. It was like why can't I be the Sultan? Which is like actually mm-hmm. like a a really like cool way to like backdoor like a lot of the plot points into this movie and not feel super forced. Like it is natural. Like it's not like the original Jasmine has some brother that's the heir apparent to the throne. It's not like you're even having to, like do away with like some character like that. It's like it kind of makes sense that she wants that job and people would and people would still kind of push her towards finding a man but she's like no you know like i want this job i'm like the i'm like the important person in the room here like why can't i do why can't i do that and i, I don't know i i, I just thought it was, I, I just thought it was a pretty interesting way that didn't really feel like it was out of left field to give her something else to do and i i appreciated that the movie like thought to even do that again low yeah, bar but low bar but yeah. still yeah <laughs> And uh, another thing, too, is uh, John August, who's the credited screenwriter on the film, actually mm-hmm. tweeted out that in earlier drafts, he had Jasmine sneaking out of the palace with the Cave of Wonders expedition. So they, she had even more to do, like, um, in earlier drafts of the script. And then, yeah, I have thoughts on the whole Cave of Wonders thing, because that felt very um, abbreviated, you know, throughout the movie. So, uh, Wait, which you're saying just the, the initial Cave of Wonders trick, trip you meant felt abbreviated? Yeah, you know, yeah. So, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll I'll dive right into that. So, yeah. uh, in the animated movie, I think the whole Cave of Wonders thing. There's just a sort of uh, epic nature to it, and it's they really make a meal of it, and it feels very grand and big, and it feels very huge and adventurous, you know. And the lion's mouth forming out of the sands of the desert is just like this great thing, and I think it's like one of the better Disney animated sequences of all time. And then in the movie, it's just sort of, I don't know, it's just like there and it's almost like, oh, well, uh, we got to put the Cave of Wonders in the movie. You know, I don't know, just the whole lion's mouth being already in the cliff side. And uh, gosh, I yeah, I just I, I was disappointed in how um, muted it seemed, because even when you go into the Cave of See, I've already gotten on this super very specific hangup I have with the movie. No, <laughs> when you get go, into- yeah, go ahead. It's, I mean, it's, it's a big part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you go into the Cave of Wonders, and in the animated version, like, you know, you have just, like, miles and miles of these, like, stacks of gold coins and treasures, and it's very bright and colorful, and there's a lot of very tempting things. And then you get in the live-action Aladdin, you go into the Cave of Wonders, and it's just very dark, and you have, like, just random jewels kind of scattered on these rocks and everything, and just... I don't know. This is one point. This is one hang up. I have a lot with the live action retellings. This is a problem in Beauty and the Beast too. You have such like a visual feast of these epic settings and everything. And then it's almost like every major blockbuster since the dark Knight came out in 2008 has like this problem of like everything's dark. Everything has to be dark. Everything has to be lit in a certain way where you can barely see anything on the screen. And um, yeah, that's just one thing I found very disappointing because like, you know, you go in there and you can hardly see anything at all. Yeah, I hadn't even so. really thought about that, but I mean, it makes total sense. Even if it's probably been longer since I've watched the 1992 Aladdin than you, like I, that is something I do vividly remember. It's just like 
how vast that whole entire cave seemed and you know they do show some stacks of like jewels here but like it doesn't the colors don't are i can i can more easily imagine the colors and what it looked like in the 1992 one which has probably been seven years maybe since i watched it than the than the mm-hmm. version of aladdin that i watched five days ago uh in, in a theater yeah. like I, I can more clearly envision what it looked like in that original animated version and you know it's funny that we, I mean, I, we mentioned earlier, like, you know, in some ways, like animation does open up more possibilities in live action, but this was animation that was done nearly 30 years ago. And you would think mm-hmm. that like, in some ways, like the live action movie, if you're going to make this investment to do it, you could, you could top it in that regard. And it didn't, I, you mm-hmm. know, and I also don't know if the, uh, the one jump ahead sequence did either the, you know, the, the very first one, like, yeah. I mean, I guess that whole entire, I, you know, I haven't honestly, haven't read too much about the production of the film, but I mean, I guess all of Agrabah is some version of green screen in this movie so uh i mean if you're gonna like have it all be fake anyway like i i don't know i feel like maybe that could have felt a little more like vast and instead it it almost felt like it it felt like it almost felt like a set more than like a green screen to me but it felt like a small set which i mean you would think just with the amount of resources that they have at their disposal that could have felt like a more uh, expansive and vast village with just more just more depth and in general to it you know yeah, I completely agree. It's like it's almost like the one jump ahead, which is such a great introduction to Aladdin, the animated version, is just almost dutiful in the way they carry it out in the movie. It's like, you know, if you're not going to make the effort to fully explore it and recreate it or at least put your own spin on it in a satisfying way, then just like don't do it. You I know? did. I, I mean, did like I did like his bachelor pad, though. Yeah, I think I thought yeah, that, that, that was I thought that was some cool production design. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was very cool. It's just um, I don't know, just something in the beginning. I, this is something I said because I, I saw it with my wife, Caroline, and we got out of the movie and I just felt like th- at the very beginning, because you open in the marketplace too, like some of the moments happen so fast that if you hadn't seen the original and this was like your first introduction to Aladdin as like, say, like a seven year old kid going with your parents, like you may not necessarily catch everything, you know, and it happens so quickly. And, you know, there's obviously like a lot of ambitious, like parkour style elements that were really well sequenced and styled and probably the places where Guy Ritchie's direction can really shine since he's more of an action guy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, um, that, that, those parts were unfortunately a little underwhelming. For so me. you're already uh, you're, and well, you're already feeling you were already feeling a little underwhelmed uh, when you went into that cave. Anyway, so I got to ask, like, uh, backing up to before you even saw the movie, uh, what were your expectations for Will Smith coming into this movie? Because the movie got a lot of weird press when like the first the first images dropped and the trailer dropped, and it was like very divisive mm-hmm. reaction to to Will Smith too. To be like quite frank, for a guy who I think is a really talented actor, just doesn't really make good movies these days. It's kind of sad, yeah. and just doesn't show very good taste in the scripts he chooses. Even if I, I know he's a talented guy, because of like what I've, every else, everything else I've seen him do in his career up until the last seven or eight years or whatever. So it's like, man, like if he thinks this is a good idea, maybe it's just not such a good idea at all. Maybe the <laughs> script, maybe the script's really bad because he doesn't pick good scripts. And I was just kind of worried, and then everyone got even more worried when they saw like whatever version of him showed up on that first magazine cover or, or in those first images from the film. And I don't know. So like I kept pretty low expectations for the movie really just because of his involvement and the way people reacted to him in the first place. And so you're in this cave and you're already feeling a little iffy about this movie and then Will Smith shows up. So what were you thinking? What were you hoping to get from him? And like, did he surpass your expectations? You know, Will Smith was honestly the part I was most worried about going into it because of what you said, he hasn't made great choices lately. And the role of the genie is the thing that people take and remember from this movie more than anything. Cause it really is like Robin Williams, like, you know, I, 
it's probably slightly controversial to say it's his best performance, but it's definitely like top five Robin Williams performance sure. ever, I think. And especially with Robin, may you rest in peace being dead, you know, it's a very, um, it's a very huge thing to do. Cause I mean, if, when you go through like these live action remakes, almost all these roles are being recast, but they kept James Earl Jones for Mufasa and the Lion King. And I'm sure if Robin Williams were still alive, they would have tried to get him back for this as well. So taking all that into account, I will say that Will Smith was a name that was big enough to put in there, you know, right. but um, I was really worried about how he's going to do it. And honestly, you know, <laughs> uh, I hated that the character design was so similar because the, the blue thing just didn't really work for me. Um, and in a movie like Beauty and the Beast, where they changed the character design of literally every single talking object, the fact that they worked so diligently to make him similar to uh, the genie from 92 was just confusing to me. I was like, do something that's a little less off-putting live-action style. Well, I think, I mean, I think they probably knew that it would elicit that reaction given how iconic the character is. So in light of that, I think it was actually a smart choice to like have him just be like a real person and say, oh, it's magic. He can just turn into Will Smith if he wants to. And I actually thought See, he was I pretty good that. in this. And yeah, I liked that. Though. Like that was probably yeah, like – I liked it. Like, I, like, I like well, is there is there any is there any blue genie looking version of him that you were going to be satisfied by? Like, I think they knew the answer to that was probably no. Yeah, I feel like they could have done something different with the blue version of him because I liked okay. I liked when they made him I liked it when they made him the person. So I was right. like, okay, like this is something that is a bit more acceptable. But yeah. just when he he's doing the big when he's doing the whole blue man group thing, I was like, <laughs> okay, like I not wild about this. But this is all to say that I actually thought Will Smith was great. You know, I thought he really brought like energy to the movie and he obviously like brought, I mean, there were some scenes that I thought he honestly rescued with the way he, um, yeah. well, you know, with his performance and yeah. like, the comedy of it and stuff. Yeah, like, like I, I thought said, he was, no, yeah. no, I agree. Like I said, I was worried. I was really worried going into, and I was, you know, like you've heard about how the story has been told countless times, how like at some point, like in the nineties, like him and his agent decided we were just going to try and be in the biggest movies possible being like blockbusters mm -hmm. and sequels and alien movies or whatever. These are the movies that like get the most money. That's what we're going to do. And I mean, even since that in initially happened, like he made like other good movies, like, you know, he got his Oscar nominations for pursuit of happiness and Ali, like he's mixed in other things, but for the most part, he's like stuck to this kind of like blockbuster fair. And, you know, at this point I was just like, I see he's doing this and I'm like, man, he's probably just doing that for the paycheck. He's going to mail it in, isn't he? And he definitely did not. Like, he actually, like, really, mm -hmm. you could see him, like, really putting in the effort and being his, the charismatic Will Smith that we enjoyed. Like you said, like, I don't know if the friend like me sequence when, like, we first meet him, that, that might have been one of, like, the not as great uh, sequences in the movie. Uh, it felt kind of weird, like, doing a show tunes type of thing, like, in the middle of the cave. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, like it, it just felt like a weird way to do that sequence when, like you said, there were other visual things they could have been uh, doing there instead of having this weird dark palette going with that uh, sequence. But, like, for the most part, though, like, I, I, I really thought he, he brought it, and he was, like, really charming. And uh, w when you say he saved some scenes, did, did, is something particularly coming to mind? Uh, you know, I just, the whole like scene with the jams, you know, which oh, uh, yeah. first, when Aladdin first meets jazz. Well, Aladdin, when Prince Ali first meets Jasmine, cause yeah. he, you know, Aladdin served before then, uh, the whole, the whole jams thing. Like, I think he really brings that home. Um, you know, when Aladdin's trying to find, uh, a blah, blah on the, on the map and like, you know, he pops up on the map and everything like, um, yeah, you know, I just, he brought, he brought like the appropriate swagger to it and, um, yeah, I mean, he did the best he possibly could in yeah. fulfilling a, a role of that size. With yeah. 
as big a shadow as Robin Williams casts. And ple- I was pleasantly surprised because I was um, a little worried about yeah, that. Yeah, no, and even if, like, I, as I've already said, and as, as I'll get to, there there were a handful of, of these of non-genie things in this movie that I did enjoy. I would have come out of it. I would have come out of it being like super negative if I thought Will Smith didn't bring it like I like I ultimately did. So I was very mm. uh, I was very happy about that. What did you think about giving the genie a love interest? I thought that was interesting, and I you know it was kind of I it was funny because I I was watching the movie and um, you know Nassim Pedrad is the handmaiden, and uh-huh. I was like I was like how I was like how much older is the, I was like how much older is Will Smith than Nassim Pedrad? And uh, I was just like, kind of like, wait a second, like, is like twelve years old, twenty years old? He's like twelve years old. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, then I saw, and then I looked up, and I was like, oh, okay, good, she's like older than I thought. I was, I was really worried. It was, I mean, I mean, he, like, I mean, like that wouldn't be <laughs> unprecedented for like a Will Smith movie, like you know, he was in uh, what's it called with Margot Robbie, uh, like a couple years ago, and he's oh, like, focus, he's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a good 20, <laughs> 21 years older than her, so uh, not, not wrong for your head to go there thinking they're going to try and like age down Will Smith for the sake of a love interest. But I thought he, I thought yeah. they, I thought they were both pretty charming in those scenes. Yeah, I really like seeing Azim Badrad pop up in this because uh, I mean she's really funny and she should be in more stuff, I think, but. Um, so I was really glad to see that and it was some good comic relief for them. And I would have liked to see a little more of them actually, cause they're both, uh, <laughs> they're both very, um, natural, funny people and stuff. But, um, yeah, I thought it was good and it was nice. It was a nice bookend too, with him telling this story to his kids on the boat at the beginning and then, um, you know, the end of the movie and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. You know, I didn't, uh, you know, it was a bit surprising, but, uh, yeah, I have no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what, what about what about these uh, actors that they got to play uh, Jasmine and Aladdin? Because I mean, those are obviously two like uh, very iconic roles in their, of, of their own in some ways. And uh, you know, it's I mean, people have seen Nassim Pedrad and Billy Magnuson and stuff, but it was mainly just like Will Smith and a bunch of people. That's the way they decided to make this movie. And uh, right. you know, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, I'm sure that there is like financial reasons for that, but also, unfortunately. Uh, well, fortunately, like they were, they were inclusive in their casting because that would have been really bad if, like, in 2019, they had white people playing these roles. But like at yeah. the same time, the fact that like you mostly had to choose from unknowns to like play these roles is like a byproduct of like Hollywood like not being diverse enough in casting over the last 10 years that you didn't like have like really known faces. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can use a movie like this to like create a new recognizable face. Uh, Naomi Scott was in the Power Rangers movie a couple years back, but other than that, like I don't know if her she's like that big of a name. So what did you think of her and Mina Masu? Dude, he played Aladdin. Yeah, Naomi Scott, I thought she was great. You know, she, like they gave Jasmine a lot more to do in this version, and I thought she did like really well with it, you know. And I re- I liked their I liked their rapport together. I think one of the more inspired choices of the movie was um to kind of put throw Aladdin and Jasmine together more before he did the whole Prince Ali thing. So uh, you know, they have that run in the marketplace like they do in the animated movie. And then Aladdin like sneaks into the castle to give her the, the bracelet back, you know? And um, yeah, I thought that was really inspired and fun. And uh, yeah, I couldn't, you know, re- I couldn't remember. If that, I couldn't remember if that was a thing that happened in the animated one, if it was just the marketplace scene or something else. So I, now that you're telling me that I actually really like that choice because you know, like just, we already mentioned how like a lot of these movies are just about like oh my god the princess wants to find a man but equally like annoying for me just in general whether it be live action or animated is when like people fall in love when they've known each other for like five seconds and not mm-hmm. that like these characters spend like a ton of time together but it's also really nice to just for them to take the time to have another scene with them that shows they have good chemistry at least mm-hmm. yeah and it, and it gave and it gave you know uh naomi scott more uh, to do because you know in the animated version too she pretends to be a commoner to see the um to see the town 
and um, and then like when when Aladdin breaks into the palace and uh, they pretend that Nassim Vidrat is the um, Dahlia is the uh, princess and everything that was um, that was a bit of fun too. You so know? they had the jam so, scene. Does the original have anything like this dance sequence that we get in the middle of the movie at the party? Is there like a party in the original or anything like that? I can't remember. Uh, no, not really. They go straight from Prince Ali to um, the argument in the throne room where Jasmine's like, where Jasmine says she's not a prize to be won. And then he uh, flies up to her balcony with the magic carpet um, right. to apologize so for that. That's another and, cool thing that they like did in this movie that like, I mean, that was a more fun visual for me, even though, I mean, it's not a CGI heavy, like I, which might say something about it, but like, I was like, this is pretty fun to watch. And I'm, this is something that like probably is more impressive to see pulled off in live action than it would be in animation. And it doesn't feel limited by the fact that we are in live action. Cause you're getting to see these really cool dance moves. So I enjoyed yeah. that. And I, and it's, it, it was throughout that little portion of the movie that we are seeing a lot of like the genie as more of a real person, which is its own unique spin. And I don't know. I just thought those were some examples of the movie, like actually just taking the artistic license necessary to like, add some different new spins on there and uh, give us something new to look at. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. And I liked how, uh, you know, Will Smith's basically like uh, piloting him the whole time or puppeteering him the whole time with that dance. I, thought, yeah, I saw someone put on Twitter go, earlier that it's like the new Aladdin's basically hitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I, yeah. I, I wish I could have thought of that comparison on my own. That's not an original thought. Someone put that on Twitter. Can't remember who, uh, but yeah, so it, 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 was, it was funny. But yes. H2, Arabian Nights. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Mina Masood. Yeah, I thought he was fine, you know. I mean, I think uh, it was nice for him. I thought it was good that um, Will Smith was there for him to play off of a bit because, um, yeah. But not seem like totally inadequate next to someone like Will Smith. Yeah. Like, you know, held his own right. and ha- had good chemistry with him and well, didn't feel like outclassed or anything like that as an actor by this yeah, guy not at all. Be- being an unknown going up against arguably the biggest movie star in the world. So uh, mm-hmm. good job by him on that. And yeah, I thought, I thought he was funny too. I mean, I, I liked how they, I mean, it's a small thing, but I thought it was just kind of funny how like they like gave him like the stupidest hairdo in the, in the um, beginning, just to like make him like not look as handsome as he did when he turned into Prince. Oh, yeah. Because like, it's like, he has like mm-hmm. these random three things, a hair just like going down his forehead and just like, looks, oh, yeah. like very clearly not as handsome as he later does. Whereas like, I was just like watching a few clips of the original Aladdin earlier. It's like Aladdin like basically looks like Aladdin except for like, the white clothes when he turns into Prince Ali. Right. <laughs> like, here they like made him try and look ugly. Even though I guess he's a fine looking <laughs> guy. I just thought I got a little bit, bit of a kick out of that. But yeah, so I guess my thing is, um, I, I've, I've kind of mentioned these things that I like that they did a little bit differently, but I think what I think these movies really had the potential to do is like, just like I said, like change some things to, um, just kind of accomplish something. And I, I, we never, we didn't actually talk about Dumbo. Did you see, I'm guessing you saw Dumbo. Yeah, I did see Dumbo. So I, what I liked about Dumbo was that, you know, the, how it did the thing where, like, basically 45 minutes in, it gets to where the end of the original was. And then it's like – so I guess it was very ambitious in that way. And then I, I liked that it tried to be about something in that, like, you know – and a lot of people talked a lot about just the meta-ness of it all, about having it be about a, a Disney movie where now a big corporations like, taking something original and, like, making it into <laughs> something else or whatever. And, and all that was really interesting to me. I just thought, like, it made the Michael Keaton character, like, go way off the handle, like, for no reason – uh, like became, mm-hmm. become an elephant murderer for no reason, set his own park on fire yeah. for no reason. Like it, it took that character too far for like that latter half of the movie to work for me. But like, I still like, I still enjoy, I appreciated what it tried to do uh, mm-hmm. here. You know, this is just my one big criticism of Aladdin, which was, you know, or the original Aladdin too. Like I, even though I, like I, I haven't rewatched that as much as uh, maybe you have. One thing I remember thinking about the original Aladdin was that everything in the last like, 
20, 30 minutes of that movie happens, like, way too fast. As far as, like, Jafar's ascent and him doing all the things he does, it feels like it just jumps around too far. It's like, all of a sudden, like, Jafar's, like, he's in charge, he's marrying Jasmine, he banishes Aladdin to, like, this really snowy area. Jasmine's, like, looking like she's, like, a slave. Like, I just remember it all happening, like, super fast. And I was like, you know, I thought this movie, like, if it had, like, changed its latter act, like, its its final third act, like a little bit more to like actually like have you like feel all these plot developments like aladdin all of a sudden deciding like i'm gonna become a douchebag and not give genie his wishes except there's not really like any reason for it like he's i guess he's mm. feeling good cause he's been offered like the become like the next sultan or whatever but like i actually wrote down two things here that like, when, as far as like when he decides he's not going to give genie his uh f- final wish in the 19 19- like this is going off of wikipedia so you know it's right um, the, 1990- <laughs> the 1992 one says, fearing that he will lose Jasmine if the truth is revealed, Aladdin breaks his promise and refuses to free the genie. And then in 2019, it says, after being offered the position as heir to the sultan, Aladdin, fearing that he will lose Jasmine if the truth is revealed, reluctantly breaks his promise and refuses to free the genie, upsetting him. Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, why does he have to take yeah. the genie's wish away because he's, like, afraid the truth will come out? Like, I wanted that to be explored more and show, like, how, like, money and power can, like, corrupt someone. And that could have been, like, a fun way to, like, actually tell that kind of story and uh, impart that kind of lesson in a kid's movie if they, like, slowed down the latter half of the movie. And I don't really think they did. And that was kind of, like, my biggest uh, my, my biggest knock against this movie is that I felt like the, the latter act was just kind of, like, a missed opportunity where they could have handled some things differently and slowed down and shown a few different things about Aladdin changing the kind of person he was, but also, like, Jafar's rise because I don't really think the Jafar character and the new one was, he was a pretty big zero for me. Yeah, I'll agree with you. And I'll even say, I feel like the animated movie does a better job with its third act than this one does yeah. because um, there's much more of a, maybe this is Joseph Campbell. Maybe it's not, I don't remember, uh, but there's this thing in the third act of the whole like uh, proverbial storming the castle, if you will. Okay. And I just feel like Aladdin's plot to defeat Jafar is a lot more, there's a lot, it's a lot more suspenseful in the animated version than this one. Cause uh, right here, it's just like he, like he just like turn like it happens in like three minutes, and that's not even an exaggeration. Yeah. Where it's like you know he, he comes back after he's been at the, the frozen tundra, and he's like, "All right, Jafar, genie's more powerful than you." And then Jafar just like beats himself, and it happens in three minutes. Right, and and you know, I will say in in the live action Aladdin, I appreciated the scene where like the the head of the the head of the Royal guard is torn between Jafar and the Sultan. I think that was an interesting thing to explore. I thought the speech, the speechless reprisal was uh, good and a powerful moment for Jasmine. So I'll, I'll admit that those things were well done and I appreciated those being added, but yeah, like just the whole Jafar in the animated version, he goes from Sultan to the large snake to the genie. And it's all, again, it's like my same complaint with the cave of wonders. There's like a certain, epic nature to it and they really like do a good job of creating the majesty of that moment and how big and scary it is and then in this one jafar goes from sultan to genie to stuck in the lamp all in a matter of maybe four minutes you know and it just feels and again it felt very dutiful yeah like yeah i just feel like the i feel like the elements of the original that they put into this one felt like very okay we got to do this. So let's just do it. You know, and the things that they added to it are actually some of the better parts in the movie, because you can tell that they originated them, you know, and, um, like we're very thoughtful about them and put a lot into the process. So, uh, 
yeah, like that, that stuff was unfortunately, um, a shame. And I guess to, you know, you mentioned Dumbo earlier. Um, I was going to say, I actually really appreciated Dumbo and, uh, the Dumbo remake. And also, um, here's my hot take. I think Pete's dragon is the best live action remake of all the ones they've made so far. But yeah. I actually because... haven't seen Pete's dragon <laughs> and I like David Lowry, uh, at least the, his movies that I have seen. So I wish I had, uh, checked that out. Yeah. I like with Pete's dragon and Dumbo, um, and, uh, goodbye, Christopher Robin. I feel like they were real efforts made to just make really original films from these IPs. You know, they and you know with Dum- like a movie like Dumbo, which is like forty-five minutes, the original. Like you are kind of forced to do that to make a conventional modern-day um, mainstream movie. And to be fair, movies like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast are more indebted to replaying the hits, if you will, because of uh, uh, how familiar those are to audiences. But yeah, like just. Again, like with these live action remakes, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Aladdin, I'm sure The Lion King may have this issue too when it comes out. They're they're gonna like have to recreate these numbers from the old movies, and it's gonna be a huge undertaking to match how incredible how incredibly they were done before, and then to also make them feel like these are really impassioned creations, you know, and not just okay, got to do this, check that box, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I wonder if they're going to have like a, are they, are they, do you know if they're doing original songs at all for the Lion King? Or are they just like running back all the Elton John stuff? Um, I honestly don't know. I would guess they would do an original cause that's probably like how uh, they, they are going to get Beyonce some Oscars, or they're going to like, know? yeah, <laughs> like everyone's going to, they're going to try and like get Beyonce to perform with the Oscars and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would imagine they give Nala an original cause Nala doesn't really have a song in the original Lion King. So I bet you Nala will get a song that's Beyonce. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's what I, that, that's my guess. I, I don't know exactly. But, uh, I was um, just curious, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying though. Like, I mean, there's some limitations that these movies run up against and it's on them to like try and, you know, just put their own twist on things to make them uh, feel like they're worth our time. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. And I, and I like, I guess like, we talked about, like, I, I think this movie did have some definitely worthwhile aspects. I just think this, 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 this last act was like just a, a missed opportunity where it really could have been about something even more so than the first one. And it's, and it weirdly like just fell short. Uh, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I still think it's like a, it's a success by the standard of like what everyone thought it was going to be when they first found out it was going to exist, and when they, yeah. when they, when they first started like learning about it, and like the movie's going to make a lot of money. So like, it has, it has all that going for it, if nothing else. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. Do you have, do you have any, do you have any other thoughts? Anything else I didn't touch on? Well, I guess to speak to, uh, oh, I hate to end on a downer, but the whole, the whole new world sequence was really underwhelming as well. It just felt, um very dark and not nearly as visually creative as well, what the, happens uh, at night uh, joe what do you want <laughs> <laughs> they have fireworks in the original sure, <laughs> like, sure, sure. you know so like <laughs> um no yeah i mean like i think it's fine you know I, I i think i'll still one day show my children the original and, and not this one you know which is fine you know it that's okay. But, you know, I think it's fine. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it ruined the original or anything like that. But, and, uh, yeah. Oh, I do want to, okay, I do want to say this. Yeah. And this is a positive thing. So, um, and on a high note. So, <laughs> if you go on like Spotify or whoever you listen, wherever you listen to music these days, um, you go to the album and there's a Will Smith DJ Khaled cut of friend like me. I was just kind of ready to get out of there. Like I, I am, I was trying to get back to watch the Phillies <laughs> game on Friday night when I was at the theater. So I uh, did not stick around for the end to hear the DJ Khaled Will Smith thing. Did you enjoy it? Well, I'll just say this. Um, I really want the ringer or, 
whatever site writes about these things to like do a full scale breakdown of all the Will Smith movie connected rap numbers. And just like, I, I really want like the deep dive, like 5,000 word breakdown of like wild, wild west and black suits come in and friend like me, just, I want like a full, <laughs> uh, I want like a full retrospective on the Will Smith blockbuster rap songs. And honestly, like I want, I want, I want like the nineties, like uh, blockbuster connected rap uh, Will Smith again. Yeah, instead, <laughs> instead of like instead of remixing uh, "Friend Like Me," they should have just had him do some kind of original song that had references to Aladdin in it, and then try to get campaign for that to be an Oscar song, and then could have had Will Smith yeah. and DJ Khaled rapping at the Oscars. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that would have been ridiculous but wonderful. I, I do like, uh, yeah. Give me more of like because. I, I will say if this movie had come out like in 1996, this might've been the biggest movie in 1996. No joke. Like if, if you just like wiped the original Aladdin off the face of the earth and Disney's like, let's make a live action Aladdin starring Will Smith in 1996, this movie would have been huge. You know, I mean, ah, like Will Smith rapping as a genie, like that. Mm. I mean, cause and weirdly, I wonder if Shaquille O'Neal like feels vindicated, you know, somewhere like uh he's sitting there and he's just like you know what rapping genie it did work you know i was just 20 years too early you know <laughs> like <laughs> maybe that's uh you know there's some kazam uh like i wonder if kazam rentals are going up i would like to see those uh statistics yeah i mean there's certainly <laughs> left some this movie certainly left some musical potential on the table i think we i think we'll disagree to end there uh joe i appreciate you taking the time to join me for this i think uh Joe will certainly be back for Toy Story 4. That's a big deal, though, so I might even bring in another uh, third voice in the room just because I feel like it's, like, a big enough event that it might deserve it It, just to throw someone else in there to talk to Joe about that. And uh, there's all this other stuff coming out before the end of the year because Disney has, like, a massive year. But uh, as one of the – we'll we'll get Joe in to talk about some regular live-action stuff, too, because I enjoy when he does that as well. Joe, before we sign off, uh, anything you want to plug, your Twitter or any other things that people can consume of yours? Well, what I'll say about Toy Story 4, it's it's under a lot of pressure because Toy Story, the current trilogy, is the greatest trilogy of our lifetime. And that's not a hot take. That's objective fact. Yeah. Even, I mean, you can't – I mean, Lord of the Rings people, like, get out of here. <laughs> I'm not I'm – not, I'm, not, I'm not accepting that argument, okay? Like, are you, Toy Story. Are you, are, are you worried, though? Um, you know, I'm not worried. I, when they first announced Toy Story 4, sorry to go off on this tangent. No, yeah. When they first announced Toy Story 4, I was like, oh no, bleak, don't do it. And then. It's like with Toy Story um, 3, did they, did did they earn the benefit of the doubt? Yes, they did. And I'll say this too. Like I was looking at the release schedule for this year and I was like, you know what? Like I'm very, as someone who's a huge Toy Story fan and I'm, I'm a bigger Toy Story fan than you, whoever's listening to this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the new toy story was very exciting to me. And I was just like, you know what? Like, let's just, let's just do it. You know, I mean, it, they've benefited out with this and see what we get. So you'll, um, you'll always have the first three, no matter what, but exactly. It's yeah. like, it's like, I think I, it's like, I just got to think, did, wait, didn't, didn't toy story three get a best picture nomination? It did. Yeah. It did. So it's like to have that level of success to like get a best picture nomination for an animated film like that. Uh, which, I mean, I think it happened at least a couple times before, but, like, still, it's a big accomplishment. Uh, first time Pixar had ever done that, right? So I think I feel like for them to, like, want to do add on to that story after they ended it on such a, quote-unquote, ended it on such a high note, like, I feel like they have to have had a good idea. You know, like, they weren't just going to, like, willy-nilly go back to it because Pixar isn't, like, while they have been doing a lot of sequels lately, I feel like, for the most part, like, they don't just, like, 
they don't half-ass anything. So it's like I feel like they had to have like really put in the time and like thought to like make it make it worth it worth your while. So that's where I'm kind of at at this point. Like I feel like they don't they don't come back to it with like a with a half-ass plan. Is my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Toy Story Four, I will promote that. Because you know they, they, they really need, they really need your promotion help. <laughs> they needed the extra. They needed extra marketing help. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you're into uh, rants about the Atlanta Braves bullpen, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe underscore Morgan. Uh, if you're not into that sort of thing, uh, it's not for you. So yeah. Uh, why haven't they signed? Craig, <laughs> why haven't they signed Craig Kim- Kimbrell, Joe? Why haven't they signed him? Uh, the draft pick compensation at midnight tonight. <laughs> it's lifted. So, um, yeah, they still won't do it, though, because the ownership is cheap and they hate winning. Well, They'll just build the, some more the, rest. The Phillies aren't stuff. cheap, and they still haven't signed any pitching help. So uh, it's probably even more frustrating. No, probably not the big picture, but still. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y, on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast has its own uh, Twitter now, Rewind Movie Pod. So keep an eye out for all that. Coming up next, we'll probably have a podcast on Rocket Man and then Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So stay tuned for all that fun summer stuff, and we'll see you again soon. And four weeks, Joe will probably see you too for Toy Story 4. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.